1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51. I want to read a number of verses in your hearing at the end of the 15th chapter and the beginning of the 16th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, of course, Paul writing here to the church in Corinth, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him. And there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality, or your offering, unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also... They shall go with me. I would like to speak this morning on this subject, the transformation of change. The transformation of change. Would you bow your heads and pray, Lord, we're thankful to be in your house, thankful for your presence, thankful for your word that leads us and guides us. Help us, O Lord, to speak your word without fear, without favor. Let us be changed from the inside out. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I don't think there has ever been a more convenient season to change your mind. This year of COVID has made change not only acceptable, but expected. It's not a penalty to change your mind. Certainly not in 2020. You want to change your airline ticket? No problem. No questions asked. No change fee. We just assume that there were circumstances that warranted the change. So companies have had to adjust. You don't want to fly? You just say, I need to change my ticket. You want to reschedule? No. I just want a refund. Okay. No problem. We can give you a refund or we can give you a credit. You can use your ticket for a future date. If you decide to do that, we'll even give you bonus miles. You're literally rewarded for changing your mind. These are strange times. If you need to change your hotel arrangements, no problem, no penalty. Not only that, you can sometimes change your mind and you are congratulated for it. 
Thank you for changing your mind. I, I called to change my dentist appointment a few weeks ago because I just got back from being on the plane and I didn't think it would be appropriate for me to go and, and sit in the dentist chair as, as soon as I had gotten back from the flight. And so I said, um, I just need to change my dentist appointment. They actually thanked me. Thank you for not coming in today. I was like, no problem. I, it's never been so easy to cancel. You don't even have to give a reason for it. So if you're a person that changes your mind a lot, this is the perfect season for you. You can just change your mind. There's no judgment. There's no disapproving looks. You may even get a hand clap. You're considered to be prudent and responsible for changing your mind. Didn't used to be that way. Used to be if you changed your mind, you were wishy. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and we can't depend on him. He may change his mind. Now if you change your mind, it's like, that's wonderful. They're being very considerate of other people. You can just change your mind now. This is the perfect season to change. Now you know where I'm headed. (laughs) The only thing that is certain is uncertainty. But there is no change that is greater than when Jesus comes back for the church. Now I love that the King James Version uses this word change. Because I'm sure there's a lot of other words that could be used. But the scripture says, as we read in our text, that we will be changed. Now here's something I want you to consider about change. Change is not a one and done kind of thing. It's not like you change one time and then that's it. Change is, is, is on a, 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 a linear line where you continually change. It's not, it is a process of changing. And so you and I do not sit in a passive position and say one of these days God's going to come back And this mortal is going to put on immortality. And this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And we shall be changed. Now, you could make an argument that we are in this change season. So the Lord is getting ready to come back for the church. But I believe beyond that, when we look back at our life, and we look at when we first came to the Lord, God changed us, did he not? When we first came, the Lord saved us. The Lord delivered us. But it wasn't like God just changed us and then that was it. We have been changing ever since. And we continue to change. Because we serve a God that can change us from the inside out. He's not a God that just operates uh, on the surface. He's not a God that just pays lip service uh, to giving you a better quality of life. Oh no, my friend. He changes your desires. He changes your habits. He changes your perspective. And if you've ever thought, that you would like to get more committed, more spiritually committed. I submit to you that this is the season to change. To say, you know what? I'm going to bless the Lord, oh my soul. I'm going to magnify the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to spend my time investing in people, hallelujah, and spread the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news, hallelujah. And I want my life to be that bucket that goes down into the wells of joy, as Isaiah says in the 12th chapter, in the third verse, and we draw up water out of the wells of salvation, hallelujah. That is a change that comes from knowing the Lord. He is not a God that offers you something and then doesn't fulfill it. He's not a God that just says uh, this is some sort of utopia environment and you have to somehow move into a power of positive thinking and hope for the best. Oh no, my friend. He changes you in your core. He changes you in your innermost being. So this is what I would ask that you would consider this morning. That there's never been a better time to change. And there's never been a more powerful agent of change than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So bring together and merge the most powerful change agent in our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bring together the gospel of Jesus Christ and the most powerful change agent in our world today and then bring it into a season where you're almost expected to change. And ladies and gentlemen, you have the perfect cross-section. If there's ever been a time for the gospel to change a person's life, it is right here in December of 2020. Yes, I believe that one day God's coming back and we're going to be changed in these bodies. Uh, But I believe that this can be a December to remember and you can be changed from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Hallelujah. He can save you and change you and create new desires, a new way of thinking, a new way of walking, a new way of talking. It is God that wants to change us. But here's what we have to consider. He has given each of us a free will. We can determine whether or not we want to change. Though we are encouraged to change, and even indeed, we are all being changed on a daily basis. Our God is not changing. He is steadfast. The Bible says in him there's no variableness. There's a lot of variables in life, right? There's no variableness in Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful that he is. Because the same God that saved us, the same God that brought us out. I was thinking back over my own life and thinking it's been 50 years now since I've received the Holy Ghost. And I'm so thankful to tell you, the same God that filled me with the Spirit of him, of the Holy Spirit 50 years ago, is the same God, hallelujah, that is saving us today. He's not run out of power. He's still a God that can make a difference in your life. And the enemy wants to convince you that you're going to have to always learn to live as a victim. You're going to have to learn to live with your anger. You're going to have to learn to live with your addictions. You're going to have to learn to live with all of the things of the flesh. I've come to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell that God can change your DNA. You don't have to spend your life saying I'm an alcoholic. You don't have to spend your life saying I'm a drug addict. You don't have to spend your life saying I'm a pornographer. No, you can say I'm an overcomer. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus and he has transformed me. 
In his book, Good to Great, the author, a man by the name of Jim Collins and his team of researchers, they studied companies in America and they wanted to consider what causes a company to go from being a good company to being a great company. So they had a criteria of a certain percentage of growth and they wanted to study companies that had been able to have that sustained growth for at least 15 years. And they looked at all the different corporations, companies in America, and they whittled it down to 11 companies. And they spent five years researching. And they wrote this book that's uh, sold uh, millions of copies. It's called From Good to Great. And in this, they, they look at what exactly are the ingredients of going from good to great. What is it that caused uh, these corporations to go from good to great corporations because the principles that they found I think are applicable to what causes a church to go from being good to great what causes us as individuals to go from being good Christians to great Christians and here's one of the things that they found they found a number of things and it's a tremendous study but this is one of the things that I want to focus on this morning that they found in their research they found that greatness is not a function of circumstance greatness it turns out is largely a matter of conscious choice. It is a matter of choice, not a matter of circumstances. That a person, that a corporation, that a company can become a great company. They said these great companies were not in a great industry. Many of them were in failing industries. But in no case they found that a company just happened to be sitting on the cone of a rocket when it took off. That's not what made the company a great company. It's when they made a conscious choice that in spite of losing share in the market, they could turn their corporation around and become a great corporation. It was the product of a conscious decision. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that the condition of this world has little to do with the success of the church of the living God. It is not a politically induced environment that causes the church to be successful. It is not being planted in the perfect area that causes a church to be successful or to be a great church. I'm going to tell you what it boils down to. It boils down to men and women saying, we're not going to just go through the motions. We're not here to just play church. We're not going to just play lip service. We believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest change agent in this world. I like that song we used to sing years ago. I choose to be a Christian. There's nobody holding a gun to my head. This is how I choose to live. Don't feel sorry for me. Oh, they want to feel sorry for us Christians. Don't feel sorry for me. Hallelujah. You talk about joy. We talk about it in the book. Uh, Real joy comes from finding out. It's not all about how much you can pad your life with the material successes of this world. No, it's whenever you dig down deep in your heart and spirit and say, I've got to find a purpose. I've got to have a plan for why I do what I do. And when you get down to the nitty gritty, you're going to find that there's a God down there. Hallelujah. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that brings that sun up uh, over the East Coast, uh, that brings the 
sun down on the west coast. The same God, hallelujah, that gives you air in your lungs every day is the same God, hallelujah, that can change your mind and change your spirit and change the appetite of your flesh. If we have been changed for the better, it is because Jesus has transformed us. And the Lord has a way of changing the way that you think. I was visiting yesterday with Brother uh, Steve Gailey and Sister Judy Gailey. Brother Steve Gailey has been going through, uh, as you well know, uh, chemotherapy and radiation for an inoperable brain tumor that's malignant. And he got a report back the other day that the uh, tumor has has shrunk and they don't have to do any more radiation for a while. To God be the glory, Steve. We love you, buddy. But he was telling me, he said, you know, it's amazing because they, you know, they're up there and they're working on the brain and they're taking it all apart and they're working and radiating. And, and he said, all the connectors and things are, 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 are all, you know, are being affected by this radiation. And he said, it's amazing how, you know, you respond to different things. He said, one of the things I've noticed is he said, uh, you know, I've always thought in terms of, of how good the Lord is and in terms of the blessing of the Lord and look back over your life in years and months. But he said, now I find myself every day waking up and being thankful for another 24 hours. He said it causes you to change your perspective and it gets much more narrow and you get much more focused, almost like a light becoming a laser beam. It gets much more focused because every day you recognize if you're still alive that you have got something to be thankful for. Oh, I'm asking God to change my spirit, to change my mind, to give me a sense of gratitude. Hallelujah. To every day I get up and say, Lord, I thank you for another day. I'm not going to be stressed out if somebody's driving too slow in the left lane. I'm going to be stressed out about Christmas plans. I'm not going to be stressed out about what to buy Uncle and Daddy and Aunt Betty and Uncle Ernie and all the relatives and all the pressure. I'm tired of all that. I'm just going to wake up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord I will rejoice and be glad in it. He's a good God. Hallelujah. This is a perfect season to say, I'm changing the way I live. I'm changing the way I think. I'm changing my approach. Every day, every day, every day. In their book, The Experience Economy, authors Joseph Pine and James Gilmore studied the economies that have built this nation. It's an amazing book. If you ever get a chance to read it, I read it a number of years ago, produced by Harvard Press. It's called The Experience Economy. Pine and Gilmore were leading executives of IBM back in the day when PCs were being developed and made a household item. And they begin to analyze what they call the experience economy. And to do that, they go back and they study the different economies or things that we have valued as a nation as we have grown over the past 200 plus years. They said we started out as an industrial economy where we valued things that were built. And from there, we moved to a commodity economy where we valued undifferentiated products we bought in bulk at the stock exchange, but it was not necessarily tangible. 
From there, we moved to a goods economy where we valued distinctive, tangible things. You could buy a good or something that served a purpose for a need that you had in your life. From there, we went to a service economy where we valued activities that were performed. And from there, we moved to an experience economy where we begin to value the feeling that we get by engaging in it or attending something. And we saw that Walt Disney World perfected this experience economy because now it's not just an amusement park, it's an experience. You see restaurants that moved into the experience economy. It's not just enough to go and eat a hamburger anymore. You've got to have an experience while you're there. And so you have all these themed restaurants because we are moving uh, into an experience economy. And this is what Pine and Gilmore write about in this book. But they said, we're moving to an economy, which they said will be the final economy, which I believe is where we are right now. And it is called a transformation economy. And they said the transformation economy is where we value the lasting change of an experience. Pine and Gilmore say that this is the final economy because the transformation of the customer is the highest form of value. And that is, we see it even now, when people now go on vacation, they want to learn a skill, they want to learn how to cook, or they want to improve their golf game. Or they, now, It's not enough to just go on vacation, be in a beautiful place, and look out over a lake for a few days and rest. But now it's like we want to add something to our life that we can take with us so that after the vacation's over and the bills have been paid, we still have something that's lasting from that. They said this is a transformation economy. And they said it won't go anywhere other than a transformation economy because this is the final level of a value system that a person can not just have an experience but can be transformed. I thought about how that affects us as a church. It was a number of years ago when people were tired of just going through the motions and just going to church. They wanted to go where they could feel God. They could feel the presence of God. And so we begin to see all the Pentecostal, charismatic, experienced churches begin to blow up and the mega churches all over because people wanted to have an experience. They didn't want to just come and go through a ritual. They wanted to have an experience. So they wanted to go to a church where they could feel God. And so we begin to see all of these churches grow and expand because people wanted an experience. But then we quickly found out we want more than just an experience. We don't want to just go to church and feel goosebumps from being in the presence of God. We need something that can go home with us and can change our lives so that on Monday when we're tempted by sin, we've got something on board that'll help us live above sin. I've come to tell you as an apostolic Pentecostal church, we are perfectly positioned in a transformation economy that when you give your heart to God. It's not just a temporary experience. It is a transformation. Where you can say, I have been changed. I am a new man. Hallelujah. I'm going to change the way I live, the way I think. It's a lasting experience. Transforms us into a lasting experience change. Consider the transformations of Paul, a man who was hauling Christians out of their house, a man who was putting Christians in prison and leading the execution of young ministers whose only crime was preaching that Jesus 
was the Messiah of the Jews and that he rose from the dead. And this gang of men that Paul had organized picks up large, jagged rocks and they begin to throw them at this young preacher, gashing, cutting into his his head and his skull. Eventually he lays in a heap of rocks, dead, stoned to death for preaching the gospel. Shortly after that, the Lord knocks him down with a bright light. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to live a life on your own that goes against biblical values. It's a, it's a, it's a hard road that you've chosen. Who art thou, O Lord? Hmm, the Lord tells him who he is. He loses his natural eyesight, but he gains spiritual eyesight. He tells him what he has to do. And Barnabas comes, prays for him. He receives the Holy Ghost and is baptized in Jesus' name. And we see from this that Paul now begins to preach the gospel. Paul stands before kings and governors and tells about his road to Damascus, his transformation experience, this change that took place. And he said, you can believe or not believe. They said, oh, much learning hath made thee mad. Oh, no, I'm not mad. I've just been changed. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things I still enjoy, hallelujah, about being a part of ministry, about being a part of working with people is to see the change in their lives. To see a man or a woman who couldn't get through the day without a couple of six packs, who couldn't find any joy unless they were shooting up in their arm. But now, hallelujah, they're walking around, they're waving their hands, they're saying great is the Lord. There's nothing better in life than to be with a man or a woman that has their life changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus. Consider the transformation of Peter, who makes many mistakes, even though he walks with the Lord. But he makes mistakes. He cuts that servant's ear off. I think he was swinging for his head whenever they came to take Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Lord says, Peter, put away your sword, puts the man's ear back on his head, performs immediate surgery, just everything's reattached. Blood flows back to the ear. The guy can't believe it. All those little tiny, the smallest bones in your body, they say are in the ear. Everything's reattached. All the audible channels, the blood. When God does it, it's just, no man can deny it. We're not going to win this war with a sword, Peter. And Peter's confused. He's a passionate, powerful person, but he's got all these emotions in him. And then they come and they take him in the crucifixion. He watches from a distance and they come and he sees all this and he's denying the Lord and he's dealing with the guilt and the pain and that. And he goes, but the Lord came after him. Peter, where are you? Satan desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you, Peter. Go find Peter and tell him I'm risen. And finally, uh, Peter can't stand it. He sees the Lord. It looks like a ghost, but he gets out of the boat, walks on the water. And the Lord says, feed my sheep, Peter. Come on. You've got a purpose. You've got something that's greater that's coming. And then after the Holy Ghost is born, the Holy Ghost was that change agent that said, it's not going to just be how close proximity you were to me, but now I'm going to give you something that you can take with you. Oh, hallelujah. That's why this gospel works in a COVID year, because this is not something that's limited to one building or one location you take it with you it's in your home it's in your heart it's in your mind it's in your mouth it's all over me and it's keeping me alive 
And I'm going to tell you something. When you get changed, it's not confined to just you. Because after he preaches in Acts chapter 2, and they all feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost, and they say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, you got to repent of your sins, Acts 2.38. you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And about 3,000 of them are added to the church that day. But the next day, they go to the temple of the hour prayer. And there's a lame man that they've seen many times. But now they have been changed. They have been transformed. It's a new kind of change. It's not just leaving your nets. It's this onboard Holy Ghost power. And they see him and they look at These people are making eye contact with me. Maybe they're going to give me an offering. He looked at him, the lame man, expecting to receive something. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. What do you have, Peter? I have been changed. I'm going to tell you what, you get contagious when you've been changed. When you've had an authentic experience with God, there's nobody that can talk you out of it. There's no relative. There's no circumstance. There's no trial that'll convince you that God's not real. You'll know in the midst of a trial, my God is real. For I feel him in my soul. Mm. Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Immediately, he's changed, transformed. As Paul begins to address the church in Corinth, he tells them, we're going to be changed. This mortal is going to put on immortality. And he goes... Of course, you know, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, before the canonization of the scriptures, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek, there was no separation of chapters. So it almost sounds like he goes into a completely different subject. But actually, it's all tied together. He says, because we're going to be changed, we're going to give. Because we are in the process of being changed. It's not like we stand over here on unchanged ground and wait for the great change. But we shall be changed. So we move toward that change. Maybe that's why the Lord's getting us ready. This is the season of change. And we're going to be changed. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. This mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be swallowed up. Death shall be swallowed up in victory. Oh grave, where is your victory, oh death? Where is your sting? Where is it? It's gone because we've been transformed. Here's what I submit to you today that I believe Paul was saying to the church at Corinth and because of them to us. Because we have on board right now what will eventually give us the power to be changed from mortal beings to immortal beings, which is the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Romans eight eleven. The Holy Ghost is what changes us. That's right. 
And if we have been filled with his spirit, it was never meant to just sit in a dormant state in our lives. And then to just wait for the rapture to take place and then it to be activated. No, it is there to change us every day. So I submit to you five things that the Holy Ghost is wanting to change right now as we prepare for the great change. Number one, we must change our thinking from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. We live in a narcissistic society, but we cannot find joy. We cannot find happiness in a self-centered type of thinking where we just constantly pad our own lives. You do not find joy. You do not find happiness in that. You've got to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. We talked about this last week. That's our mission field. Our Jerusalem is this church. Our Judea and Samaria is our community. And the uttermost part of the earth is our global missions. That's why we go. That's why last week I felt like if the Holy Ghost was with us. We would do something that had never been done before in the history of our church. And I felt the boldness to step out in faith and to say I believe that God hallelujah is going to give us commitments of a half a million dollars to be given in 2021 and here we are in the midst of COVID and here we are in the midst of a changing of administration not knowing what 2021 is going to hold but we know who holds 2021 and my hope is not based on the real estate market and it's not based on the stock market it's based on the holy heaven that God has given and prepared for us. I don't know how it was going to happen. And I know a bunch of people haven't even committed yet. But whenever Sister Richie gave me the numbers, I couldn't hardly believe my mind. $576,000 has been pledged in just one week from this local church because we believe it's not about us it's about God that's why there's joy in this place that's why there's the favor of God in this house it's not because of us it's because of a God that continues to give and to bless when you put him as the focal point of your life everything flows from it this is what he was telling the church at Corinth be changed, give liberally. He said, this is not just you. We've done it in Galatia as well. We're going to give. We're going to bless the church in Jerusalem. Why should we bless the church in Jerusalem? Because of what it will do for us here in Corinth. Why do we give like we're going to do next week in our Christmas for Christ offer? Why do we do that to bless other churches? Because whenever your life is God-centered rather than self-centered, you are preparing By changing your thinking for that great day. And we will all be changed. So we move toward that change now. By getting into an atmosphere of change. i got to hurry. Number two, we must change our thinking from local to global. We have to change our thinking from local to global. Psalms 2 and 8. If you ask me, I'll give you the nations. All the people of the earth will be yours. What is that talking about? That's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ to change the nations of this world. We have our problems. We live in an affluent culture. But another country has their problems. A person living in a hut in Africa. Dealing with famine. 
dealing with disease, the same gospel can change them. People living on the streets of Haiti that are dealing with sickness, God can change them just like he can change you and I. Though we have different problems, we have the same God who's the answer. So I got to change my thinking and instead of just worried about my four and no more, I got to start thinking, Lord, what can I do to bless the kingdom? This is what he was telling the church in Corinth. You got to change your thinking from local to global. You got to begin to think it's not just about me and my world. It's about the kingdom of God. And if I can change my thinking every day, I'll get up and I'll begin to watch the news through the eyes of a missionary. And I'll begin to believe that God, hallelujah, can save anybody in any situation in any country of this world this is where real joy comes from and then we must change our thinking from temporal values to eternal values temporal values we live in these temporary the bible even described them as tents because the tent was a temporary tabernacle These bodies literally are tents. They're temporary homes. So our thinking is temporal. But he's wanting us to move our thought process from temporal values to eternal values. What what can I do to invest in the kingdom of God that will pay dividends for eternity? Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing greater you can do than invest in a soul. else in this world is temporary it's going to come and go but when we share the gospel with a soul oh that's why i hope you do give this book out to your friends and neighbors and let it be a christmas present let it be something more than just the latest gadget from walmart and amazon let it be something that has eternal value (laughs) wells of living water springing up This is what God is wanting to do. This is the season to be transformed, to be changed. And finally, number four, number five, we must shift our thinking from security to service. Human mind wants to stay focused on security. What can I do to secure my own existence? What can I do to make sure I have security? Financial security, emotional security, all the different securities that we look for in our humanity. But when we shift our thinking and say it's not about security, it's about service, what can I do to serve my fellow man? What can I do to serve the kingdom of God? Security will come as a natural byproduct of service. That's why the happiest people on the planet are people that serve. That volunteer. How else do you explain the people that come and are out here every day with hands for healing? How do you explain the joy? That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I can't explain it to you. I just know there has to be a paradigm shift in our minds that we say, Lord, what I desire more than anything 
It's to find a way that I can serve to be involved in the body of Christ, to volunteer, to get involved. I can't just sit and grow fat spiritually. We were not created to be dead seas. We were created to be Jordan rivers so that the waters can come down out of the north, uh, out of the mounts and flow down through the Jordan. God has blessed us so that it would flow through us. The dead sea, nothing's alive, but the Jordan river is green and it's got much activity. We were baptizing people in the name of Jesus in the Jordan river. And as I'm looking, baptizing these people in Jesus name in the Jordan river, when we were in Israel and bringing them up, I'd look over on the other side of the water and there goes lost some sort of a little, I don't know, an otter, I guess it was swim by laying on his back with his paws up like that. An otter in the Jordan River? I don't know how it got there. I couldn't see beneath the surface, but I guarantee you there was all kind of life beneath the surface of the water as well. And there was new life coming up out of the water. Because it's the Jordan River and the water flows into it and the water flows out of it. And that's where you get life and life more abundantly. Dead Sea, there's nothing down there alive. Because it all flows in, sits there, and dies. The salt content is so high, nothing can live there. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life so soon it will pass. And Then finally, number five, as you stand to your feet, we must shift our thinking from comfort to sacrifice. From comfort to sacrifice. God has shown us great mercy. Offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Give yourselves completely to God. Every part of you. You want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for good purposes? He says you've got to give everything to the Lord. Moving from comfort to sacrifice. What can I do, oh God? What can I do? You consider the fact there was never a greater sacrifice that was paid than when Jesus Christ God manifest in the flesh steps down off the throne of glory born in a manger in swaddling clothes you talk about a change agent talk about changing he literally transforms himself the God of glory sin infallible nature omnipresent omniscient and yet he's born of a virgin Mary he's robed in flesh the most humblest of ways he sacrifices by being born in a manger why did the God of glory do that I said it in the 8.30 service and I closed today with the same thing and I'm sure I'm under no illusion that this may be misinterpreted. But I'll make the statement and I'll try to explain it. He became a man so you and I could become a God. Say, Pastor, are you saying that we're gods? Saying he took on flesh so that you and I could take on spirit. 
though we still have flesh that we deal with, we have an essence of God. If you have been filled with His Spirit, He shall not You have the essence of God in you. So that one day when these bodies wear out, Holy Ghost is not going to wear out. That that has changed us every day that it has lived on board. Even after we die, it's not done. But one day, the trumpet shall sound. And that Holy Ghost, that eternal aspect of God's nature that was given to man as the greatest gift humanity has ever known is going to be transformed one more time. And we shall be changed. (laughs) We shall be changed. It'll be the final change. There won't have to be any more changes after that because we'll have a glorified body. It all happened because Jesus Christ came near, came close. And I say to you today, he's still close. He's as close as the mention of his name. I wonder right now over this building, would you close your eyes? And if you're comfortable lifting your hands. Say, Lord, I need you to change me. I don't know what you may be facing, what you're dealing with, but I've come to tell you that the King of glory, Jesus of Nazareth, is standing close by you right now. He's wrapping his arms of love around you. Come on, he'll take you by the hand. He'll walk with you. He'll give you joy for your journey. Don't try to solve it all on your own. Don't try to wait until you've got everything perfected in your life. Come as you are right now. And say, God, I need a transformation. wonder if you'll step out from where you're standing right now. Would you come to this altar? Would you say, Lord, change me now. Change my mind. Change my spirit. Change my heart. Change my life, oh God. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Here I come, Lord. I'm asking you, Lord. Change my perspective, Lord. You may be battling with something that nobody knows anything about. I've come to tell you, God knows about it. And God's got the strength that you need. God's got the help that you need. Come on, you need a healing in your body? Jesus Christ can transform you. Jesus can heal you. You need to be delivered? God can change you and deliver you. Everything.